a good trader is someone who can stick to the discipline of the system regardless of whether they're winning or the losing. Welcome to the Father and Son Podcast, where my father and I discuss anything that's been on our minds lately. In this week's episode, we change it up a little and introduce our first guest father, someone who has helped mentor me and I view as a role model. Our first guest father is named Jibreel Hussain, one of my father's oldest friends and my stock trading mentor. Hope you enjoy. ideas do you believe that most others don't believe in and why okay yeah that's a good question and that it kind of defines me that I'm you know think this way there are in general what people usually believe is that you need you know society for it to uh, function correctly or things in the market or things in schooling or whatever there needs to be some sort of uh, governing body like some sort of central planning agency or government or whatever that needs to make sure that things are going in an orderly fashion and it's not chaos and my thinking is completely opposite of that I don't think any governing body or any group of people can ever have all the information necessary to make a decision that is going to work well for everybody so I believe in letting the decision-making be very decentralized meaning like every little family makes the decisions on how things should run in their family instead of you know like one you know in, in our case in America Washington DC making decisions for 350 million people and it, this might seem like you know right now as I'm saying it, it might make it might make sense but this is in general what my disagreement is with most people on what I believe and what what they believe. They think if this isn't the case, then we'll all be, you know, eating like poisonous sandwiches and falling in ditches with our limbs blown off. Whereas I think the real progress happens when decisions are allowed to be made incrementally by millions of people and different ideas can come forth that way. And, you know, progress to me, and actually progress, not just to me, but if you look throughout history, the progress happens by ideas happening and then people taking those ideas and taking them further and taking those ideas and taking them further. But if those ideas get limited, then the, lo- the logical you know, conclusion would be you're going to have less progress. The more ideas, the more progress, the less ideas, the less progress. So that's kind of where I di- you know, disagree with a lot of people. So you covered the whole aspect of there might be chaos, but do you, do you think that instead of having no government, which you think is better, wouldn't there be chaos, do you think, if if there was no central if there was no central body governing and there's no rule except for every everybody every man creates his own rules, don't you think there would be there would be a sense of chaos and who knows who's in charge and people would try to create people would naturally create a hierarchy amongst themselves? Don't you think that would be natural? Yeah, there were there would be hierarchies, but you know, I'm not. I'm not against the hierarchy part of it. Like in a family, for instance, there's a hierarchy. And um, you know, if if you're like in, living in a community where you have like a sheikh or something, and everybody has voluntarily 
you know, accepted that, you know, they're going to accept his judgments on certain things. That sort of stuff is, you know, it's acceptable because it's small. You know, it's small community, small family, like, decisions, That that's fine. What uh, I'm uh, kind of against is, uh, you know, these group of people that are going to be making major decisions that are going to affect the lives of several different people that don't necessarily have uh, are living in the same exact situation you know for instance like uh I sh- you know just just recently for instance when the you know coronavirus stuff happened and, be- and you know people were running to the supermarkets to get items that they may not have needed so at some point they you know a, a rule in new york state came down that you know a family can only have um buy a dozen eggs for some for instance now there might be some families where it's a one individual family one one person in the family so for them that that 12 eggs is more than sufficient it's extra whereas there might be another family that has eight people in it and then those dozen eggs is you know a shortage so in general that is what happens when you have decisions being made centrally it basically causes shortages and surpluses and the decision I'm not saying it's going to be I'm not saying that evil is involved although that definitely happens too because people are you know have self-interests but even if there was no self-interest and even if it was like angels making the decisions if they did not have even if they had all the knowledge you just cannot make decisions for every single in, you know situation for families that is going to work for everybody it's just not going to happen so it's going to be you know, I get like I said, surpluses for some people and shortages for others. So, would you abolish all government and all countries, and there wouldn't be a notion of America and different countries and Canada? Instead of having things like that, you just have local centralized rule of law that can do whatever they please. Or would you have a country? but full of their own its own little governments but they all recognize themselves as part of one country or each little pocket is their own little country uh yeah i mean the idea again is the smaller the decision making unit the better right so instead of having a large country like the united states where the washington dc is making all the decisions there, you know, it should be more like Liechtenstein in in Europe, where it's like a small little country of forty thousand people, and that's one country. So uh, there'll be another one that's another another small country of like forty fifty thousand people that are similar. You know, you just can't have decisions being made like I, you know the example that I gave. You can't have decisions being made for different situation people. You know, centrally. So uh, that is the idea like you have we want to have many 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 small decision making uh units rather than one big one and of course the, this is this is where most people disagree right they want to go the other way they want bigger and bigger bodies of governing um bodies because they feel that you know you because you know people are are generally going to make do the wrong thing or make wrong decisions everybody is in self-interest like has self-interest so they're going to do you know they're going to try to take advantage of others so what we need is these big big governing bodies that are going to control uh 
these people that would normally take advantage of others that are less fortunate. So you're, from basing, basing on what you have just said, you're very much against the herd mentality of just going with a herd. Everybody, you think everybody should pioneer their own path. I think, that, I think the simplest way to put it, I think the simplest way to put it is I, I prefer voluntary human action versus coerced human action or forced human action, right? So it, it, it's okay. I, I don't mind if like, you know, let's say a hundred people decide to follow one guy and whatever that one guy is saying they're doing, but they voluntarily chose to do that. We're going to follow what he's doing. So they voluntarily chose that they're not going to make any decisions for themselves. They're going to do exactly what he tells them. That's fine. The issue is when it's not voluntary, which, you know, most of the time it's not, right? Right now, like, for instance, some people want to go out without masks uh, in COVID, and they're not allowed to. And if many, you know, forget about the, uh, yes, businesses, have, you know, making policies like you can't come into the store without without a mask on. That's okay because you it's, you can voluntarily go in or or not go in. But when there's mandates from the government, then there's force, right? So I'm I'm okay with voluntary. Not okay. I, I prefer voluntary um, decisions rather than forced decisions. Okay. But to counter, not that I disagree with you, but to counter your your point, say with the mask, people say and the government says and that you wear a mask to protect others as well as yourself. They're doing it not for not for you. They're doing it for the greater good of everybody. Do you disagree with that? Everybody should take matters into their own hands, because some people don't want some people don't want to wear masks. Some people, even if they have COVID, they want to have the ability to go out and do whatever they want. But that can be dangerous for people who are high risk or in high risk categories. So wouldn't that fall under the category? Wouldn't that fall under um, the government doing something to protect everybody instead of just one person? So wouldn't that be good in some cases? Yeah. Uh, so I mean, that is exactly the the opposition, right? Oppo- this is what I was mentioning that you know people feel that this is what should be the case where the government protects the less fortunate or the ones in danger from others that are you know self-interested and not thinking about others this line of thinking though has never led to good in the in the past in, in the past like anytime governments try to protect you know the less fortunate from the, the the reckless ones, it led to dictatorships, led to you know lots of force and 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 jailing and and you know the, the history history is just replete with this sort of examples. I th- you know yes so in the situation of you know people you know might be going out without masks and putting others at risk yes that is something that would happen. But in the case, it, it, this decision then would be to the people that are worried about it, they take the precautions. The people that are not worried about it, they don't take the precautions. It comes down to that. So if you're worried that, you know, you're... And so today we're living in a world where, like, technology is right there to give you any type of lifestyle you want. 
So right now, you know, we we're all told to stay inside our homes and basically we're we're in our locked in our houses all the time, right? And if the decision was left to the individual, some would choose that because they're worried. They would choose that. They would stay in their houses until they die. <laughs> but others would be like, okay, this is not the type of lifestyle I want. So they'll, they'll go out. There's nothing stopping people from taking precautions for themselves right now if they're worried about others out there with COVID. So that's that's the I mean, that's the response i mean th- there is no way to live in a free society where you can coerce people to i mean we're doing it in, in in the world right now but that's not you know that's not what free societies are supposed to be and it's not what america was built on so you know people that want to take caution take caution people who don't want to take caution don't take caution like that's it one of the issues right now is this is a very this, this is like actually a very very um deep conversation because it requires it, it actually a lot of groundwork needs to be laid as to why or how these positions are arrived at but I can't do that in a, in a quick podcast but so I'm just generally outlining what the, what the positions are I cannot really go into the depth of how they are correct which I do believe they're correct so alright moving on what moral codes do you live? What is the moral code of Amu Jibril that you that you hope to pass on to your children? You want to instill in them. What do you live by? My moral code is a very simple one, and it lead it led me to f- finally having a, a a more like moral code for myself or a belief system that was not contradictory in any way, and that simple moral code is. There should be no aggression towards someone who has not aggressed against you, and that's it. Mm-hmm. So if like if somebody, even if you know somebody might be saying you know bad things about you or whatever, but they're not physically doing anything to you, then in in response, I don't do anything physical back to them. But if they're physically coming to attack you, then you defend yourself with whatever means you, you you need to defend yourself because you know the the person has aggressed against you right so that's the uh, that's the bottom line but that 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 mean that goes into many many other like decisions like for instance i would not be against i would be completely against and i think i think most people now would agree with this like throwing people in jail for marijuana for instance right Mm-hmm. They're not doing anything against anybody. No form of aggression is happening. They're, you know, they're growing a plant in their backyard. Mm-hmm. We don't need to throw them in cages for that. You know, I think most people would agree with that now. But, and most people would actually agree with this statement that I made that we should not, you know, use force against people who haven't used force against you. But they will then agree. They will then agree with other policies where that is the case, but they don't think that through does that same principle apply not only to physical but verbal abuse say someone comes after you verbally comes and insults you tr- puts you down demeans you do you respond to that or because they haven't done anything to you physically you don't respond does that is that apply or do you, you just not you don't respond says, to that yeah if people are abusing you verbally you can retaliate verbally 
but violence shouldn't be used. Okay, so it's not only physical; it's it's verbal as well as any other forms of communication. No, it, it, it is only it is only physical. Like physical violence should not be used against anybody who is not using physical violence against you. So I like I don't believe in somebody saying you know saying some insults to you, and it's okay now to go like. Um, no, no, I I don't mean that. I I don't I don't mean that. I mean. If somebody says something verbally towards you violently, would you respond to them in the same way or just leave it and carry on with your life? I don't mean it physically. I mean you respond to them in turn. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it depends. Like, you know, pe- especially this is like especially popular on f- social media. You, if you if somebody's like like let's say you say make a comment on social media and somebody doesn't like it for whatever reason and then start going off insulting you it's up to you if you want to retaliate or or keep your cool and move on because at the end of the day you're the one wasting your time responding to somebody who might not have any intention of learning your you know viewpoint or whatever they just want to hate on you so you can you can respond back but what what good's it going to do so i would in that scenario just move on but if there was a chance, and that's happened to me as well a lot throughout my life, like I will say up certain position, people will get angry about it, get angry with me, have like very angry arguments, but I can see that they will give it a, a you know, a, you know you, they might be getting angry because they may not have thought it through before. So I will, in that scenario, like, you know, talk to them to show how, you know what I'm saying is not that crazy, and they actually might take that position if they thought it through. And in the past, that has happened. People have taken positions that they were really angry about before. They have taken those positions later. Hmm. And if your ch- so, if your children would take one thing from you as their father, this is what you would. This is what you'd want them to learn. This 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 moral code that you would hope they would have if they had to take one thing. Yeah, I I, I mean that I definitely teach them that. So speaking about your children, you homeschool them. Why do you homeschool? Uh, obviously, I've been homeschooled. Why do you homeschool your children? Uh, I'm curious to know what what caused you to homeschool them. I think my biggest reason was the fact that you know one teacher cannot teach uh, 25 students at their different learning you know, speeds and their different pace. Uh, and I felt like, you know, giving my kids the one-on-one or, you know, sometimes they'll be doing the work on their own and I can just help them. But in any case, the one-on-one would be much more beneficial. And I, it's kind of proven itself to be true. Like my son, he he is a little less focused than my daughter is. So my daughter can learn things at a faster pace where my son takes a little bit longer time to do so. And I have to push him more. So that wouldn't, like in, in a classroom of 25 students, that would be a little bit more difficult for a, a teacher to do, if possible, to do at all. So that's one reason. Secondly, the bigger reason, I think, is I actually don't want my kids to be getting their morality or their, you know, what's right and wrong from their peers and <clears throat> their teachers. I actually don't have a high opinion of many of the teachers. I think their, you know, their morality and and especially their, you know, the side of the political spectrum they're on is not 
the correct one. So I don't want my kids to be learning that. I felt like, you know, a lot of the, especially in my, you know, in our circle in the Muslim community, I, I felt like there were a lot of kids that did not respect their parents as much as they should have because they're learning things. The, the parents have hold certain views and they're learning certain other views in school. And now they're thinking of their parents as being a little bit backwards. Whereas their parents might have been correct, but they just didn't know how to articulate the positions as well as, you know, the teachers of these kids might have. So I, you know, th that was another big reason. And in general, I think that the curriculums that they can follow as, as a homeschool student could be more geared towards what their, you know, strengths are, weaknesses are, um, you know, I'm not, it's not as standardized as a regular school is so that, you know, somebody who's not into math as much, but is really artistic, maybe, you know, they can go in that creative artistic side of the curriculum more than the math, you know, I thought it was more customizable that way. And I think the most important one uh, that at least you guys have really taken advantage of is being free of being in any location. You can travel the world, you can live anywhere, and you know you you guys definitely did a good job with that we we try to travel before covid <laughs> um and we were doing that during the school year and it wasn't a problem so um inshallah we'll be able to get back to that at some point so do you you just generally feel it's it's more customizable for the child in the end in the, in the end and you can also you you also monitor what inputs they they receive from their peers because yeah i i i know firsthand that what you learn from from friends while it does sound good and while it well you may agree with it in the end is just wrong and can it sometimes be backwards so it, it allows you to control that and and prevent negative influences and negative idea ideas so would you let your would you let your children go to college like, would you think they would would you, would you want them to because college is basically that you're at your, it's your first time as an adult in the world and you're you're getting new ideas from new people and would you want them to go to college or would you rather or do you think they don't need it yeah listen i'm i'm an actually i'm actually an ideas guy right i'm i'm very much open to people sharing ideas like i'm not most people you talk to and they're like you know they'll be like oh my god social media and wikipedia is letting like ideas go run wild and we need to control this no i'm not for that i want ideas to be but and as as the children are young and don't know what's right and wrong and don't have the principles in place already they're they are much more influenceable <clears throat> if that is a word but uh for for you know my idea is to get the kids very very firm in their in their principles so understand you know, not to be taken by any silly idea that comes across. And, you know, so I think by the time they get to college, they will be in better in a better position to hear these ideas. And I mean, I, mean, I already see it now. Like, my kids will watch by watching TV or like, some, you know, catch something on the news or even even watching their kids shows or movies or whatever will, will point out certain things that are, you know, ridiculous and that I've pointed out to them before, so they, they actually kept pick up on it. So, yeah, I'll be fine with them going to college. Uh, I do want them to <clears throat> clap out of as many courses as possible, so I, I, the aim is to like get out of the first two years of college, 
which is mostly where the indoctrination, quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes here, the indoctrination happens in, in college and, uh, you know, probably go to the second two years of, of college. Or if they don't want, like, at the same time, I, I kind of, I, not just I kind of feel, but I think we all kind of see it happening that college is becoming very, very obsolete. The, the pace at which knowledge is being, uh, you know, accumulated by human beings is in, in, like, you know, getting really, really fast. And it's way better to get a lot of this knowledge from online courses, which, you know, at the level of college or better and, you know, easily available. So, and, and also changing with the time. Sometimes college might be behind the curve when it comes to certain information or, lo- or knowledge. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm open to them doing either thing, but I'm not scared about ideas and, and stuff later on. So, uh, speaking of college, I'm starting college in a little over two weeks now. What advice, you went to college with my father, you were part, you were, you were, one, you were one of his friends in college. What advice do you have for me now that you wish, or what piece of information do you, can you give me that you wish you had when you were in college? that you wish you knew? That's a good question. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, in general, not just not just specifically, uh, specifically college, but in general, I think that the most important thing is the ability, like getting the ability to learn. <clears throat> Even right now in my, in my homeschool, in the homeschooling the children, I'm not so concerned about the course material itself that they're learning, but I want them to get really good at learning. And this goes, this plays into what I was saying about like the, the, the pace of information and knowledge is, is moving so fast, you constantly need to keep acquiring new skills. So if you're somebody that, you know, you go to college for a certain, um, you know, subject or skill or whatever, you learn it and now you pigeon your, pigeonhole yourself in that specific thing that you learn on that I, I think that's going to be a, a, a problem for you in the future I, I want you to learn where you're very very adaptable and you can learn new skills and new knowledge and just um, you know get uh, you know get yourself familiarized with new things very fast and if you need to go deeply into them then you, you, you should be able to get deeply into them very fast and these are all skills that are not really taught in school Actually, that should have been one of my answers in the in the previous thing, like in homeschooling. Mm-hmm. In, in in schooling, they're just giving you facts, basically. They're not teaching you how to learn, and that's I think the big skill that you need to learn. And I think your your father, of course, your father is definitely one of the people that um, you know is is toying around with that sort of stuff. He he introduced me to mind maps, for instance. Um, I think learning memory techniques and uh, yeah, definitely reading, di- reading d- different materials and comparing them and taking stuff out from them for yourself. I think that's very. Those are the important skills. All right. So the ability to learn, the ability to, I've heard. I've yeah. My father's told me similar things from his experiences with college. So. Moving on now, moving on from education. Actually, no, it's still education, but you, some people might not know this, but you 
are a stock you you trade stocks on the side as well like you have a normal job on the side you do stocks tell us about that how did you get into that yeah uh so i got into stocks back in college where a bunch of our friends including your father we were all trading stocks because it was the crazy bull market of the late 90s and everything was going up and you know it's kind of like today actually where you know you can talk to the clerk at the supermarket and he's talking about what stocks he's trading right so it, it was that sort of environment and we we thought we were good at it and we were discussing with each other your father even created fami.net which was a forum where we can discuss trade ideas yeah so we thought we were great traders and did not realize that it was just the crazy bull market that was just making everything work so eventually the crash happened in 2000 and we all lost a lot of money and a bunch of us or most of us stopped trading uh, i was not one of those people i kept looking into like you know why did i do badly or why did i lose and I, you know, read books on it. I found mentors. And this is around the time when the internet was really blowing up. So there was a lot of, you know, um, information available, a lot of people that you can get in contact with. So I started learning from people. And I learned from people on both sides of the aisle, like people who believed in fundamental analysis and people who believed in technical analysis, which are kind of opposites. And I learned from both, but I, I, I kind of, you know, move towards the te technical analysis, which is what I only look at now when I trade. So why do you only use technical analysis? What about technical analysis do you think is is not better, but more accurate than, say, looking at the news feeds and seeing what's doing well in stocks and going from there? Yeah, so stock prices move from people, people buying and people selling is what moves stock prices. And people buy and people sell according to their mood. Okay, If they're feeling positive about something, they'll buy. If they're feeling negative about it, they'll sell. So I only, I basically technical analysis picks up from that part. How they got to that mood before that, what happened, we're not interested in. And we're not interested in news stories because news stories are interpreted according to their mood. So at the end of the day, I need to make a decision when I feel like people are going to start buying. I want to start, I want to buy before that, right? Or at that time. So I will wait, uh, use, using technical analysis, I will wait for a setup, which, and by the way, human behavior is a repeatable pattern. It, okay. Uh, yeah, so the human behavior is repeatable and it, it repeats in certain patterns. So I'm just looking for those patterns to occur. And then, so you know, get some sort of confirmation that that is the case, and then try to trade there. And then that gives me an entry point, not just randomly like, oh, my my, you know, sh the clerk at Shoprite told me to buy such and such stocks. So I'm buying it. No, I'm buying it when the the shop, the stock is exhibiting some sort of pattern, and I'm so I have a specific price to get in, and then I also have a specific price where I would be wrong, like. If it go, goes below a certain price, my pattern is, is broken. So now I have a very specific reason to get out. So technical analysis gives you that.
so it gives you a set of rules to follow when you co when you trade so that you it's, it's not it's not just a random feeling you know and, and if you don't if you're not using technical analysis you are susceptible to the f same feelings that all human beings go through which is extreme greed when the the stock market is moving in your favor and f uh, you know crazy fear which makes you make bad decisions if it's moving against you so if you had to if you if you one quality that defines a great trader from an okay average trader what would that quality be i think the biggest thing a trader needs and this is very cliche now is discipline to stick to a system and most people cannot do this including myself at times like it's just a very difficult thing to do when your your money's on the line and that's why paper trading by the way does not work that well to, to learn you can you can learn you can practice a little bit at the very beginning with paper money but eventually you need to put your money there and that's where the emotions come in and when the emotions come in then the bad behavior comes in so a good trader is someone who can stick to the discipline of the system regardless of whether they're winning or the losing like even if they get like three losing four losing trades in a row they don't care because they know that it's all probabilities eventually the, the trades are going to work out for them it doesn't matter if they lost this one so all right let's talk about something relevant to do with stocks this whole GameStop uh, fiasco what what is that what is that a product of someone following a system and, and then just notifying everybody and for some reason everybody on Wall Street read in the Wall Street Reddit listened to him or is that just a, a group of a, not amateurs but a group of just regular traders that who don't follow technical analysis just banding together and just affecting the stock price through sheer volume of, of the of uh, buying and selling yeah I mean again for for somebody like you and me, and you know, as I mentor you on, on the on the trading stuff, we can not care of what led to that point. But on the chart, and I've demonstrated that to you, it shows a pattern where it shows buying is about to happen, right? You don't know if it's going to go to 500 or not. Like that, that like knowing the future is not possible. But that same behavior where interest is built into a company, you see it on the stock chart, and then like. You know, people are on the fence about it. Some people are taking profits and all that. It, it, it leaves behind a footprint. And you can follow that footprint to what should happen next. Now, why did it happen? It, you know, it it's basically, yeah, I mean, from what the, 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 the story goes, that somebody on the Reddit, subreddit, Wall Street Bets, just basically figured out that GameStop is shorted more than there are shares of the company outstanding so like 140 percent shares were shorted so in, you know in order to short you have to borrow the shares from someone and then go sell them at the market so now they're doing this where they're actually borrowing more shares than they actually exist and so they were way over leveraged on their shorts and the somebody figured out that if you if we start buying they won't have uh, a way to cover their shorts because they just don't have the shares available. So it should create a crazy spike in price, which actually did play out. And, uh, it, you know, the stock went to 500. It, most of the people don't know what's going on. They're just following along with somebody who's saying that, 
you know, just buy and do not sell. And if you don't sell, these these people that are shorting won't have any shares to buy back. And they've lost $70 billion, so it did work in a way. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it got to 500 last week, but then eventually to this week, it's down to like 100 something. So I'm not sure if they had taken their losses last week or not. Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. I'm not exactly sure. But yeah, it's definitely losses happened last week. So do you think that you, you mentioned this to me privately, that this type of thing, this type of just the average person buying and selling on the stock market usually heralds the beginning of a bull, of a bear market. Do you think that's 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 close? Do you think there's going to be a not? I don't know if it'll be a crash, but do you think the market is going to go down? Turn bearish. Yeah, turn bearish. I know. Of course, eventually it will. But do you think soon? Do you think it's coming upon us very soon? Uh, I think so because right now. People, like, yeah, so like I said, not just normal people trading, that happens too, but it's like the people you wouldn't even expect are like they have nothing to do with the stock market, don't even, I've never thought about it, are now talking about the stock market. That means these are the final buyers that the stock market can pull in as it's going up. So as it goes up, it pulls in more and more buyers, and here we are, we have like, you know, somebody who has no idea about the stock market is now talking about it. So I see that all over the place now. Like everybody's talking about it. So, no, you know, not saying that it won't go up a little bit more, but it's definitely looking like it it's going to change gears and go from being a very strong bull market to a strong bear market. So this is my final question, I promise. I don't want to keep you for too long. You, you're, in my opinion, and above average. You're, you're a great trader, in my opinion. You, you, the way you, the, the way you follow your rules, the way you um, get your stocks and manage to make money off them. Why don't you do it professionally? You, in, in your professional life, you're a programmer. But why, why, why don't you become a stock trader in as a job? What prevent? What stopped you from doing that? I actually tried to do that. I never got the break. Um, maybe I, did, I did, probably should have got a mentor to figure out how to do that. That you know, and that's another thing I want you and my kids to learn is like get mentors and everything that you want to do. Um, I did not know how to break into being a professional trader in, on Wall Street, even though I work for these big banks. I actually went and spoke to the heads of desks, and you know, they they were impressed with me, but they did not. Um, bring me in it just never worked out that way so for that reason I never became a professional trader now I could have done it for myself but when and this is also another important rule of trading and and principle in trading you can make a lot of money if you take really large bets but eventually you will give it all back so in order to trade well and trade like for a living and, and you know do a good job at it your, your position sizing needs to be, you know, much smaller because you can have many trades, but you're not going to win them all. There are going to be few that you lose. So let's say you take 10 trades, two of them you'll lose, and you don't know which two there are. So if you're, if you're putting all your money in all of them, even if you're winning on those eight trades, when those two happen, you'll lose everything. So you need to have a very controlled, um, you know, risk in your in trading 
And if you're doing, if you're having controlling your risk big, you're not going to make big gains. And you shouldn't make big gains. Like the whole point of trading is consistency. And if you keep trading consistently for a while, then you'll you'll make good money without having to take the big gains. I learned that lesson, um, you know, firsthand from from doing that myself earlier. And now I just trade a smaller account and, um, you know, just doing it on the side. Okay. Thank you so much, Amar Jibreel, for joining for joining me today.